Okay, let's get into our discussion for this year, Parshas Zos Havracha. We don't always get to talk about Zos Havracha. Uh, it's one of the forgotten parshios, but it's uh, something as we will see. There are some uh, important nuggets that we that we get out of the parsha. Uh, just a scheduling note: Bedashem, next week there will not be a shear, and the um, Yantif is on Wednesday night. There will not be a shear, but. Uh, there's no Parsha Shavua either, it's Shabbos Chalamoid. But the following week, Tuesday night, the Lelosh on I'm going to give a shear in my sukkah, Parsha's Bereshus. So Parsha's Bereshus we will get to do, um, that'll be Tuesday night. Uh, in the sukkah, everybody's invited. I'm hoping a regular time, 8.45, the, um, the email will go out, but everybody's invited Tuesday night, the last night of Chalamoid, uh, Hoshana Rabbah night, 8.45. We're having a Safer Torah in the shul that afternoon, and then after that, everybody can come to the, uh, come to the shear that night. Okay. Let's get into Parsha's Vizos HaBracha, the last Parsha in the entire Torah. And the Lubavitch Rebbe says, in source number one, he notes the name of the Parsha, as he always does, and he also notes another point that is not so talked about, though it's an obvious point. First he says, Vizos HaBracha, what is the significance that the last Parsha in the Torah is named Bracha, Vizos HaBracha? We discussed in the past the uh, the connection between the end of the Torah versus the beginning of the Torah. Many point out the last letter of the Torah is a lamid, the beginning is a bays, it's the lave, it's the heart, Rahman Alibabai. Uh, but the Rabbah Shrebi notes, Parsha's Osa Bracha is the concluding parsha of the entire Torah. The Torah begins with Parsha's Bracious <coughs> in source in line six, which teaches us the general principle that God created the world for the sake of the Torah. As we know, Bereshis. Chazal pick up on uh, the fact that Bereshis could be read as two words, Bishvil Rashis, Baraha Olam. Because of Rashis, the world is created. What is Rashis? The Gemara gives a couple of examples. Bishvil Bikurim, Shenikru Rashis, Bishvil, um, other items that are called Rashis, but one of them is Bishvil Torah, Shenikru Rashis. Torah is called Rashis. Uh, so the beginning of the Torah is Torah. Bereshis, Bishvil Rashis. The end of the Torah, Vizos Habracha. The ultimate bracha that we could have in our lives is living a life of Torah and mitzvahs. That's what life's about. And that's the biggest bracha in the world when we're not guided by Torah. And we try to guide our own lives and make our own decisions without the light of Torah shining upon our decisions, then that will not lead to bracha. But the ultimate bracha that we can have, we want to know about Zosah bracha, that's the connection to the beginning of the Torah. Bishvil Torah, Shanik Rereshis, and then we have the Zosah bracha at the end of the at the end of the Torah. But if you look in the next point, and I think there they can be even a connection between the two, uh, the next point he points out is that the Zosah Bracha is the only Parsha in the Torah that we do not lean on Shabbos. It's an obvious point, but it's an, it's an important Ha'ara. It's the only part of the Torah that doesn't merit its own Shabbos. Right? Shemini Atzeres could fall, okay, theoretically, could fall out on Shabbos. In Eretz Yisrael, you could lay it on Shabbos. It could come out. But me'ik bi'ikaron, it's not the day. Bi'ikaron, and in Chutzlar, it's Simchas Torah, can never fall out on Shabbos. But Shemini Yetzirah can fall out on Shabbos. The last days of Yonder could be Shabbos Sunday. But what's the significance of that? V'zos ha'bracha, the last parsha of the Torah, doesn't get a Shabbos is the highest Kedusha. You know, many of us felt on the, on the third day of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah, as we call it, the after days, like, oh, oh, it's just Shabbos. It's like plain Right, there's just Shabbos davening. And it's like we don't, you don't need a machzor. It's just a sitter. We have to like switch in the middle. You know, from the machzor to the sitter. You've got to, got to take a break on, uh, on Friday night. But we know it's just the opposite. Shabbos is Kodesh Kadoshim. Shabbos is the highest level of Dusha. 
Right, as we pass in, the different aliyos that reflect the Kedushas Hayom, three on a weekday, four on Rosh Chodesh HaKolomoid, five on Yandav, six on Yom Kippur, and seven on Shabbos. So Shabbos is the highest level of Kedusha. And yet, Zos HaBracha doesn't get a Shabbos. What's the, why not? The blessings here by Moshe in the Parsha are considerably greater than any of the blessings given earlier in the Torah. These are the greatest brachas that we have. Greater than the brachas of Yaakov Avinu. Greater than the brachas of Yitzchak, of Yitam Lecha. And yet, in contrast to all the other parshiyos in the Torah, this parsha is not read amid the spiritually uplifting atmosphere of Shabbos, but on a weekday. So with Parsha Zos HaBracha, we witness two extremes. It is the parsha which contains the most blessings, and yet it is read on a day which is of lesser holiness. What's the message? He says, this indicates that the blessings read here are very powerful for the ability to penetrate through to a lower sphere a weekday. Indicates the blessings come from a higher source. Okay, the Babish Rebbe on a more Kabbalistic level is saying, these brachas are so powerful, you don't even need Shabbos. They're so, they're so deep. Even on a weekday, these, these brachas are going to be penetrated. One could suggest an even a, a slightly different idea. And that is the brachas which represent, as we just said, the Torah. Put the two points of the Lava Shavit together. The brachas which represent the Torah should not be confined to Shabbos. One might get the misimpression that, oh, we lay in on Shabbos, that's when we lay in the whole Torah, and that's when I'm supposed to be a full, complete, wonderful, perfect Jew. During the week, it cuts, cuts out this. Okay, I'm a Jew, but it's, it's not as intense, it's not as deep. We have one parsha, the last one, Achron Achron Chaviv, that's read on a weekday. Because Torah is supposed to infiltrate the week as well. Yes, Shabbos is the highlight. Shabbos sets the tone for the entire week that previously and the week that followed. And every day of the week we count toward Shabbos. But Zos HaBrachat, bring the brachas of Torah into the week, even on a weekday, into the Chol, when we have that power through the power of the Torah. So that's a little... Uh, application of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's thought, but the Ha'ara is just important, which isn't emphasized enough. There has to be more thoughts about that. Why is Osa Bracha the only Parsha that we don't lean on a shops? Okay. Number one. Moving right along. The most famous Pasuk in this week's Parsha is the Pasuk that the Rambam says, based on the Gemara, we teach our children when they begin to talk. When they begin to talk. Gemara in Sukkah. Right, in Yonah the Yoma, we're within uh, a couple of days to the Chag HaSukkis. So the Gemara says, when a child is old enough to put on tzitzis, you put it by my pair of tzitzis. When the child is old enough to guard, to keep his tefillin clean, then he, then we get him tefillin. It's a big Shiloh. Why we don't, why we wait till tf- for tefillin until 13? Tzitzis, and a three-year-old we give tzitzis. Tefillin needs a gufnaki. But let's say you have a child who could keep a gufnaki when he's 11. The minagolim is not to. Okay, so we wait till 13, uh, probably because we limit tefillin as much as we can anyway. We don't wear it all day anymore, so we try to limit it as much as we can. But the Gemara says, when a child learns to talk, we teach him, Torah Siva Lanu Moshe, Morashaki Hilas Yaakov, which is the fourth Pasik in our Parsha. Paraglamid Gimel Pasik Dalid. Torah Siva Lanu Moshe, Moshe taught the Torah to us, Morasha. It is a Morasha, Kihilas Yaakov, to the congregation of Yaakov. We've mentioned many times, just parenthetically, this Pasik is the source for the idea that there are 613 mitzvos. Many arguments, what are those mitzvos? But everybody agrees. There are 613. How do we know? The Gemara, the end of Masechus, Machus, Darshan, this Pasuk. Torah, Tzivah, Moshe. Torah is Gematria 613. So Torah, we got from Moshe. Two we heard straight from God. 
That's the Makkah for 613. We have 611 from Moshe and two straight from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Anochi, and Lo Yiyah Okay, that's the halachic point related to this, um, this Pasuk. Torah Tzivalana Moshe, Morash Akilas Yaakov. The question, the issue, though, that I wanted to touch on for a moment is, what exactly is the word Morasha? How are we supposed to, uh, how are we supposed to understand that, uh, that word, especially in contrast to another word that is commonly used in the Torah, and that is Yerusha? What's the difference between a Yerusha, an inheritance, Parshas Pinchas, and Morasha? Morasha appears twice in the Torah, three times in Tanakh, twice in the Torah, once by Torah and once by Eretz Yisrael. And say for Shmos, Kodesh Baruch who promises Eretz Yisrael to be a Morasha to, to uh, B'nai Yisrael. So hopefully maybe we'll get back to that in a minute. But what's the difference between a Morasha and a Yerusha? Says the Teferis Yisrael, the great commentaries on Mishnayis, in Pirkei Avos, Perak Beis. So the Mishnah there says, Perak Beis, Pa'aha, Mishnah Yud Beis, source number two, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Yehi Mamon Chavercha Chavavalecha Kishalcha. Your friend's money should be precious to you like your money. And we should prepare ourselves to learn Torah. She'ena Yerushalach. Torah is not a Yerusha. So, you know, it's, it's not a Yerusha. I don't want to translate that yet. It's not an inheritance. Not for now. But what's always fascinating whenever one learns a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos is to try to figure out the connection between the three statements in the Mishnah. Many times it doesn't seem to have a connection, but there always is um, looking in the Mepharshim on Perki Yavos. I once heard a statistic that probably more than any other Sefer or Svarim in our Misora, there are more commentaries on Perki Yavos and the Haggadah. Those are the two top two than any other Sefer. Perki Yavos and the Haggadah has the most, uh, most commentaries. Okay, so I'm sure in many of them uh, they discuss what the connection, in betu- connection is between three, these three statements. But let's just focus on the middle one for now. Our job tonight is just the middle line. The Torah, the Mishnah says, Says the Teferis Yisrael, first idea, Don't think that Torah is, go, is a Yerusha in inheritance to you that you will get without hard work and without focus. Without total focus and concentration on what isn't what one is involved in, Yerusha is automatic. Automatic doesn't matter what type of person a person is. Doesn't matter uh, if they have a good relationship with their parent or not a good relationship with their parent or their great uncle with no other relation. It's automatic. Yerusha comes automatically. But umay dechsev mo rasha kehilas Yaakov mo rasha hainu. Oh, I'm sorry, Let's, uh, before we do the next point, but you're, that's Yerusha automatic. Morasha is not automatic. Morasha, to have, as Rosh translates it, a heritage, as we'll see in a second, not an inheritance. A heritage to be the next chain in the Misora of a heritage, so that's, that's not automatic. One has to put their kishkas in, one has to focus, one has to concentrate. That's what it takes to be a Baal HaMisora and someone who is someone who connects to the Torah. That's the difference. So that's Torah, Sivala, and Moshe, Morasha, Kehilas, Yaakov. Says the Teferis Yisrael, one second. If Morasha is hard work and Yerusha is automatic, so so that, so that our Pasuk, our Mishnah says, it's not a Yerusha, and the Pasuk says, 
It is a Marasha. Let's continue. Umay dechsev Marasha kilos Yaakov, hainu leklal Yisrael. Kedechsev kilos shachach mi pizarro. Ulinyan kiyam mitzvos eshlo tishtana b'shum zman omakam az odor. Avala kol yachid, eno Yerusha. He's not mechalik really between Yerusha and Marasha, but I'm expanding on his words. He's saying, one, the automatic is to the entire nation, but the personal is the hard work that has to be taken upon oneself. But one could say simpler. That is Yerusha versus Morasha. Morasha is not exactly Yerusha. Morasha is a heritage which demands hard work. That's one idea. Automatic versus not automatic. One has to work for it. Rav Shechter in Torah number four, in Nefesh Arav, is a different idea. The difference between Morasha and Yerusha. And that is public versus private. Public versus private. A Yerusha is private. Yerusha is somebody yarshin something. It's only mine. I have it. I can do what I want with it. It's my assets. That's a Yerusha. That's an inheritance. A Morasha is not private. A Morasha is not given to me to be a private asset, and I have to guard it and treat it not as a private asset. What does that mean? Let's see his words. Da'asr la'adam source four. The beginning of Nefesh Arav. It's also for a person to keep Torah to themselves. Or for specific families. The Tashem will take it away from the person. continues. Torah. A person cannot think of Torah as a private asset. Hashem gives a person Torah, gives a person abilities to transmit Torah. That's his achrayis. That's his responsibility. Line 8. If somebody willingly does not transfer Torah, that he has the ability to transfer to others, gadol avono vidami bazet lenavi shakoveshes nevuaso. Unbelievable parallel. Rav Rosenzweig liked to quote this from, Yehuda, from Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, who made this parallel as well. Somebody who keeps Torah for themselves is like a Navi who refuses to give over his Nevuah to Am Yisrael. Why does Hashem give you a Nevuah if not to give over? The, what does Nevuah mean? The Shoresh is Niv, Niv Svasayim. To say it over. That's what Nevuah is all about. And if somebody is Kovish Nevuah, so that's Asur. Same thing with Torah. Why does somebody give... How does Hashem give somebody the power and the ability to transmit Torah? Why? For themselves? Okay, A, yes. In order for he, could, he, could get, he or she could get close to God. But it's to transmit to others. The purpose of a Nevuah is to give to others. And the more Torah a person has, the more Torah, the more responsibility they have to give over that Torah. The more a person has, the more abilities a person has. Why, do you think, why does the Kodesh Baruch give a person the abilities? And that's what he quotes now. That's the difference between Yerusha and Morasha. Yerusha it's mine. I'm the owner. I'm the master. I'm the Bible. Right? 
I could do what I want with it. I could sell it. I could give it as a present. I could keep it for myself. I could put it in my drawer. It merits them surrender. La chayra and vimerits. I think well, that's me. Vimerits abdenu. I could lose it. Argeder in you morasha. Haynu davar shakibalti Allah. Haynu davar shakibalti Allah vilas umechuya vaominani leros sheem surrender kol kulo ledor haba. I'm given a connection to it just in regards to transferring it to the next generation. Nothing should be lost. And this is where he quotes what I said before. Inheritance. Heritage. That's the difference. And that's exactly what it says in the Torah. Torah. And that is exactly uh, the difference between the words, not just as the Deferis Yisrael uh, pointed out, automatic versus hard work, but public versus private. A private asset versus a pu- in the public domain where one has to give it over. And then he quotes, that's even the shot of Rashi, the beginning of Parshish Mishpatim, where Rashi says, how far does a Rebbe have to go in order to teach his student Torah? Line 22. So, Lomar should not go up in one's mind to think no, I'll, I'll teach them. I'll say it over once. You know, sometimes you have a, a Rebbe who gives an unbelievable shear. Nobody has any idea what he said. The, the, the students try to struggle afterwards to try to figure out what he said. And the next day, he doesn't review it. It just goes, 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 goes. The focus is giving the shear, not the Talmudim getting the shear. The focus of any Rebbe who wants to have an influence. Obviously, the Rebbe has to shoot for the stars and the Talmidim have to, have to jump to try to catch what the Rebbe says. And it should be challenging, of course. But the ultimate goal is to give the Havana Satora over to the Talmidim. That means it's, the focus isn't from the Rebbe's point of view. But it's like the Gemara from Rebbe Preda in Mesechas Erevin, which taught, who taught the student 400 times until he understood it. Finishing off, the more understanding somebody has, the more they have to give it over. And Rav Shachter here was talking about Rav Salvechik, who felt this tremendous is to give over many, many hours and hours every week of Torah, because he realized it's a Morasha and it's not just a Yerush. Okay, moving right along. We have all the brachas. But we're going to focus this year, another couple of thoughts, on the end of the Parsha. End of the Parsha. Paraglamidale. Not for tonight, but there's a major discussion who wrote the last day of the Torah. Did Moshe Rabbeinu write the last day of That would be very unusual on the one hand, because it says, Moshe died. How could Moshe write Moshe died if it didn't happen yet? Moshe could write a lot of things in the future. The Torah has a lot of future events. The Brisbane of Asarim forecasts what's going to happen to Kal Yisrael in the future and what's going to happen to the Mitzrayim. But nothing in the Torah ever is written in the past if it didn't happen yet. One sheet in the Tanam says that can't be that Moshe wrote it because that would be a lie. So one sheet in the Tanam says that Yeshua Ben-Nun wrote the last Epsukim in the Torah. The other opinion says, no, Moshe wrote it. But Moshe wrote it Bidema. Moshe wrote it with tears two years ago when we had a shir on Zosah Bracha. We discussed what Bedema means, an unbelievable thought by the Vilna Gon, which we're not going to repeat now. If you never heard it, uh, listen two years ago, or the Kol Eliyahu on Zosah Bracha. Unbelievable. Anyway, so let's go. So the first of the last eight Sukkim says, Vayam Hashem Moshe Eber Hashem. Moshe, the servant of God, dies. 
Be'eretz Moav, in the land of Moab, he did not get into Eretz Yisrael, Alpi Hashem. Alpi Hashem, Rashi quotes, Binishika, with a kiss. With a kiss, the, the, the highest level of, of, of death. Right? Rashi, by the way, quotes that Machlokas about who wrote the last day of the Torah. Points out Rabbeinu Bachai. Moshe Rabbeinu is never called in the Torah, Eved Hashem, until now. This is the first time Moshe is ever called that, with that appellation. Source 5. Lo nikra eved ad shemes. Hine b'chayav karo hakasev v'tchilat ha-parsha ish ha-elokim. Moshe is called ish ha-elokim, the man of God, at the beginning of the parsha. V'yachshav b'sof ha-parsha achar moso karo eved ha-shem. Mashalo timsokein b'kol chum Torah. You don't find this anywhere. Eved ha-shem. What does it mean? And why only after he died? It's because Eved Hashem reflects a completed job. It reflects somebody who perfected what they had to do and now they're basking in the glory of the Shechina after a job well done. Eved Hashem is like the Shamish of the Rebbe. Lahavdil. It's like the shamish. He goes wherever the Rebbe goes. He's inside, he's outside. He's, kind of, he's the shadow. He's the shadow. Eved Hashem. The shadow of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That could only be stated at the end of the job. After a person passes on. And we can look back. Like the Pasuk says in Kohelas. Tov Yom HaVavas, Yom Ivaldo. We've quoted the Medrash. Why is the day of death better than the day of birth? Because the day of death, the, med- the Medrash gives a mashal. A boat going out to sea. When the boat goes out to sea, nobody knows what the voyage is going to be like. Is it going to be successful? Is the boat going to come back? Is it going to capsize? Only on the way back. Then there's a big party. Tov Yovah Hamavis Valdo. That's a voyage that was successful. That's Eved Hashem. Umafurish Amru Gedolam Tzadikim B'Misasan Yoser Mibachayehem V'chei Matzina Shehaadam Eino Nikra Kadosh Atshemes Generally, people aren't considered Kadosh fully until after they die. This is Evet Hashem. Just parenthetically, before we continue the, the Rabbeinu Bachai, he doesn't point it out, but it's fascinating that if you look in Sefer Yehoshua, I didn't give you this, it's just two psukim. Sefer Yehoshua, first parak of Sefer Yehoshua. Vayehi acharei mos Moshe Evet Hashem. Repeats it there. Vayom Hashem al-Yeshua b'nun mishares Moshe lemar. First part of Yeshua. Moshe the Eved Hashem died. So Hashem tells Yeshua the Misharis Moshe. Somewhat of a lesser. Lesser. He was the Misharis Moshe. It's not Eved Moshe. It's only be an Eved Hashem. We're only Avdi Hashem. Misharis Moshe. That's Paragalif. If you look at Paragavdalit of Yeshua, the last Paragon Savior Yeshua, Vayihi Achrei Hadvarim Ha'ela, Vayamas Yeshua Benun, Eved Hashem. Ben Meyav Eser Shanim. Yeshua completed his task. Eved Hashem now has transferred from Moshe Rabbeinu in Perak Aleph to Yoshua Benun in Perak Havdalah. At the end, when he dies and he's buried in, in Timnah Serach in Harafrayim. Right, so that is uh, the Ha'ara. Eved Hashem has now come and gone to the Talmud. Oh, one other Ha'ara, though, that the Rabbeinu Achai continues saying. Last five lines. V'rabim Shoalim. Many, though, point out Moshe Shinitna Torah al Yado 
Misa. Moshe died. What you know? What Moshe did. How could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu died by Yom Hashem Moshe? How could it be? Moshe Rabbeinu, who he did so much for us. We know there were quote-unquote lesser individuals that never died. Like Chanoch, right, the seventh person in the Torah. He lived 365 years. He didn't die. It doesn't say that he died. Eliyahu went up in the chariot of fire. He didn't die, and yet Moshe died. Says Rabbeinu Bachai, Aval Heinyan Lomar, Ki Lafisha Chata B'mei Meriva, Ne'enash B'misa, V'haya B'chal Gzeras Adam, Shekein Chanoch V'Eliyahu Shelo Chatu, Chanoch and Eliyahu, they're not on the list in the Gemara, the four people that never sinned, but Chanoch and Eliyahu did not do any sin that caused Misa Tivis, natural death, and Moshe did, and that's why Moshe did die in fact. That's where he ends. But I think you have to read this end of Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar with the beginning of Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. Moshe was Chodi and he died, but you know what? He was Eved Hashem. Even though... Because he was the leader. And you know what? Leaders aren't always perfect. Meimariva. But Moshe was the greatest leader in the history of the Jewish people, past, present, and future. That's one of the animamins. Lokam Kamoshe. Right? Nobody's ever to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. So yes, he sinned. And yes, he died. But he's the one that got Eved Hashem. And Yoshua got Eved Hashem. Chanoch is not called Eved Hashem. Elio is not called Eved Hashem. The four people who never sinned in the Gemara. Yishai, Binyamin, Kilov, and, and Amram. Right? They're, they're not called Eved Hashem. These people are called Eved Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu and Yeshua Binyamin. Okay. Moving right along. Same passage. So Moshe Rabbeinu dies. He died. What day did he die on? The Torah does not say. We know doing the math, Zion Adar. Why? Because we know the Mon, for Psukim and Yeshua, we know when the months, we know when the Mon ran out, and we know the Mon lasted an extra month, and they crossed the Yardin on the 10th of Nisan, that we know. So if you do the math, go back a month before they crossed the Yardin, a couple of days, oh, it works out to be Zion Adar. Good. That's uh, also that we mentioned Zion Adar, Moshe was, bo- Moshe was born and died at Zion Adar. Birthday and yard site, same day. When was Moshe's due date? We mentioned this last year. Moshe was born, as we know, the Rashi says in Sefer Shmos, he was born after six months. And then when he was three months old, that's when they had to put him in the, uh, in the basket. That's when the Mitzrayim checked up. So his due date was Shavuos, Vav Sivan, three months later. Another connection between the No Seinat Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. That's when he was supposed to, that was his due date on Shavuos. We call it due date. I mean, he was, his due date was when he was born. But um, that's what the, we like to call it. Says, asks Rav Nissen Alpert, the Limude Nisa. There are two chazals that we have that seem to be difficult to put together. Number one, we say every Shabbos afternoon, not this Shabbos, but we say every Shabbos afternoon, Sikos HaTzedek. Sikos HaTzedek, we're matzik the din. Sikos HaTzedek sounds very similar to Tzidu Kadim, what is done out of the Leviah. Rachman al-Assan, and Avil is matzik the din. Kodesh Baruch Hu is tzadik v'yashar. Why do we say Tzikos HaTzedek Shabbos afternoon? Because Moshe, among others, died on Shabbos. That's our Mesorah. 
He died on Shabbos. Ayanadar was a Shabbos. And therefore, we say Tzidkas Chasedek on Shabbos. That's what the Lumut Denison writes at the beginning of Source 6. Kasev Bizarra Akadosh Hamosh Rabbeinu Meis B'Shabbos Leis Mincha Lefichach Anu Omrim Tzidkas Chasedek Shutzidek Adin Al Gimel Shemeis Tubizman Azeh Moshe, Yosef, Vidavid. Question, that's one Chazal. But there's another Chazal that was quoted a couple of weeks ago in Rashi. The Kasha. Moshe says, I'm 120 years old today. And this is my last speech before I pass on. And what did Chazal say, interpreting the Tzukim in the Torah? What did Moshe Rabbeinu do on the day he died? He wrote 13 Sifrei Torah. He gave one to each shaven and put one next to the Aaron. First of all, it's pretty amazing. It takes a sofa nowadays a year to write a sefer Torah. He wrote 13 sefer Torah. Even if you take out the last day psukim, it's, pretty, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing job. But he wrote, he wrote 13 sefer Torah. Okay, he was Moshe Rabbeinu. He could do, he could do it. But it was Shabbos. How could he write 13 sefer Torah? It was Shabbos. Put the two chazals together. How does it work? Moshe Rabbeinu died on Shabbos. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote 13 sefer Torah on the day he died. Kasha. So we don't have to go to Ernest and Alpert for the Kasha. The Kasha is already in the Rishonim. The Rosh and Sachem asked the Kasha. I just gave you the summary, because uh, in Kamosi Shalarov, the next source, source 7, uh, he quotes the Rosh and Arvi Psachim, who asked his Kasha, putting the Midrash together. So there we quote a couple of answers, and then we're going to go back to Ernest and Alpert's answer. First answer suggested is just to, if you argue, you say that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't die on Shabbos, that doesn't answer the question. I say, okay, that, we argue on that Midrash. Okay. But the other answer, if you look on the bottom of the rush, the carbon is Sanel, where I wrote source number two, he gives another answer. Vayivku B'nei Yisrael, line eight, or line nine. Vayivku B'nei Yisrael, the Pasuk says that B'nei Yisrael cried. Right? Pasuk Ches at the end of, of Zosah Bracha. Vayivku B'nei Yisrael, Moshe Barbos, Moav Shloshim Yom. They cried 30 days. The Medr says, Shloshim Yom Kodem Moso. They cried 30 days before he died. They mourned for him before he died. If you read Sefer Yehoshua, it doesn't sound like he was still on Avelis, on Zion Nisan. It doesn't sound that way. Maybe that's where the Medrash gets it from. The Medrash says, they cried 30 days before he died. Ne- didn't mean Moshe wrote it. What do you mean? It's not true. No, he died in the sense of Kishloshim Yom Kodem Lamisa Machrizin Shadam Ploni Higias Manalamus. Just like there's a concept of before a person is born, there's a certain Bosco that goes out about who he's going to marry. Maybe says Al Pi Kabbalah quotes here from the Kabbalah Sari. Thirty days before a person dies, there's already a Bosco that owed Shloshim Yom Vim Kain. So really, by Yamasha Moshe, Moshe died. But what was that by Yamasha Moshe? And the day that he wrote the Sifrei Torah, that was the previous, that was a month before. And that was on Erev Shabbos. That was a Friday. And then, the real one, when he actually died, not when the Bosco went out, that was on Shabbos itself. That's how you put the two Midrashim together. When did he write the Sifrei Torah? That was really a month before he died. By Yamasha Moshe, that puzzle just refers to the day that the Bosco announced that he was going to die. Maybe he even looked in there. They already knew. They already had the knowledge. We discussed this a couple of years ago. Parshas Noach. Parshas Noach. If you remember, there's an unbelievable measure in Parshas Noach 
where the Torah says in Parshas Noah, there was a, right, all the years that Noah built the Teva, 120 years, and then there was another week, and then the Mabel came. What was that extra week? So Rashi quotes, Ah, oh, Mesushelach died. So they were sitting Shiva for Mesushelach. The med- there's another Medrash that says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was sitting Shiva for the world that was about to be destroyed. So the Medrash says, we discussed the upshot of the Torah Tzimimah on that, but you see also there a concept of, of mourning before the actual tragedy hits. The other example is David HaMelech. David HaMelech, remember he had a, a, a young child that was, that was very, very sick and he was sitting on the, on the floor, Sakva Efer, and finally when he hears the child dies, he gets up and he stops, sitting, stops the Avelis. So here too, here too, once they know that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die, 30 days, a month before already. That's when Vayamas, it was already considered in their eyes, so that's how you put the two Madrashim together. Number one. The Shlach Kadosh says online, on the uh, line 13, maybe, Shem Moshe Kazavasifar Torah, they shame Vashivas Hashvaz Kolmas. He wrote the Torah, he didn't write the Torah with regular ink. He wrote it with Shemos of Hashem, which is not for the whole Shabbos. Okay, that's the Shlach Kadosh. But there's a third idea. Now we go back to Rav and Alpert. Third idea that he suggests. V'raisi b'sefer echad, line four. But it's kavantik sasal dvarav. I saw in a sefer, as a quote who it was, and I was mechavit to his words. Shemosha ramenu meis beis pa'amim. Moshe died twice. What does that mean, died twice? He can only die once. Bivav adar shahaya erev shabbos meis Misa Ruchanit. Moshe Rabbeinu, as the leader of the Jewish people, that died on Friday. That died on Vav Adar. On Vav Adar, he became a hediot. On Vav Adar, he already transferred the reins to Yoshua Binun. He died from his ma'ala that he had since he became the Nosei Natora with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Pirish. Shetkufas Moshe Rabban Shel Yisrael Nistaima. Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai, that stage of history, ended on Vavadar. Ended on Erev Shabbos. On the day he wrote the Sifrei Torah that day. V'nistimu imenu ma'yinos ha'chachma. V'hamesoros. That was the day that the special connection he had to God, at the lead, at, that he had with God as the leader of the Jewish people, that ended Vavadar. V'nitznu Yeshua ben Nun, and Yeshua ben Nun became the leader on that day. Ayin Barashi, Parshas Vayelech. V'nishar Moshe Rak, ke'ish echad b'Yisrael, she'shmo Moshe. Maybe he transferred to Eved at that time. V'chayav arishonim ba'u l'yitom gamur. That stage of history was completed. So it's formulated as a Vayamas. That going down in Siyata Deshmaya, that is called Misa. That is called Misa because he became he became a Yachid. He became a Hedyot. He became a singular individual. That's the two Misas. Misa Ruchanit, which happened first. He became he became Moshe from Moshe Rabbeinu, and then on Shabbos was when he actually died, when he, when he left us. And then Rudy Nisan ends off by saying, maybe that's another pshat to a Gemara that in Meseches, Baba Basra and Menachas, the Gemara that we just quoted, where we just quoted about the last eight sukkim of the Torah. 
That Gemara starts off describing a halacha about those last eight psukim. The Gemara says, Yachid Kore Osam. A Yachid is allowed to read those last eight psukim. What does that mean? There's at least five pshatim in the Rishonim. What is unique about those last eight psukim halachically? Yachid Kore Osam. So one opinion Tosas quotes is, you can't have a, an Ola and a Balkore. The person who gets the Aliyah has to lane. Okay, that's one shot. That's not the Minaga Ola. Others say you can't have any Hosafos during that Aliyah. That's what we do. You can't have a Hosafa during the last eight Sukkim of the Torah. One person has to lane. Yachid Kaori Others say Yachid means a big rabbi. Yachid, a Yachid, a senior individual should get the Aliyah. All different Shatim. The Rambam says Yachid Kaori means you don't need a minion. For the last eight sukkim. An amazing shito. Why that is, is not for now. Yachid, you don't need a minion. You need a minion for the entire Torah. When you do Kriyas a Torah, not the last eight sukkim. Sedev is an outbreak, according to my chat. I have another idea. What does it mean, Yachid Kariosam? The Afshar, where it's underlined now, Shemitam Ze Yachid Karan. A Yachid could read it. Lahadgish to emphasize, Shenechtivu Bataras Yachid. Moshe. He wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu anymore. He was just a Yachid. These last eight sukkim describe a Yachid's death. Not Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu died the day before. Yoshua already has the reins now. According to this, he even says, you don't have to say he died. What was Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar's question from before? How can Moshe die? He didn't really die. He spiritually is no longer Moshe Rabbeinu, but his physical, maybe he was like Hanok in that way. Maybe he was like Elio in that way. Because Vayamas Moshe is only referring to the previous. Okay, that's his suggestion. Either way, unbelievable. Two misos of Moshe Rabbeinu. Says the Mishnah again to answer the Kasha. How can Moshe Rabbeinu write all the Sifrei Torah on Shabbos? Okay, good. Moving right along. The next pasuk says, "Velo yada pasuk vav." Moshe dies. Hashem buries him. All right. This is one of the sources for the mitzvah of Kuras Mason. Hashem buried Moshe. Velo yada ishes kuraso ad Nobody knows where Moshe is buried. Ad One of the proofs that the Torah is. Divinely written, nobody's ever going to find Moshe Rabbeinu's kever. Maybe Aaron, we think we, we know where Aaron's kever is, down, down, down uh, off of near Eilat, but, but uh, when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, nobody knew. There's a medrash plia. Medrash that's, um, I don't exactly know what it means. Sifri, the Meshachachim quotes it, source 8. Yesh omrim af Moshe atzmo, enu yodea makom kvuraso. Moshe didn't know his Malcolm Kfura. What does that mean? Shinamar, Velo Yada Ish. Vein Ish, Ela Moshe. Shinamar, Velo Ish Moshe Anav Maod. Ish, Lashon of Ish is the Lashon of Hashivas that always refers to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe doesn't know his own grave. What does that mean? Moshe, nobody knows their own grave after they died. Moshe's no worse than anybody else. What does that mean? Even Moshe doesn't know. Velo Yada Ish is Kfura, so. What do you mean, Ish? Line 4. Habir. The Yerushalmi says that for three days after the Batira of a person, the Neshama is still very close to the Guf. Still connected. 
The neshama is still there. That's why I had a hesped. The neshama is still there. The neshama is listening to the hespedim. That's why the, the minog is to, even to talk to the nifter at that time. Nafshataisa al-gufa. There's a big discussion in the Gemara already. What about in general? Do the neshamas know what's going on? But not for now. Even the first, the entire first year, the Shem is connected to where the guf is. After all, the Neshama has a has a connection to this guf. The Neshama was housed in this guf for 120 years, so the Neshama has some feelings for it. If you ever go back to where you grew up, there's a certain affinity, there's a certain feeling. Oh, this is where I remember. Right? You have certain anything that we were connected to at one time, we're connected to again, and we go Khozerbo. That's why the Neshama is connected to the Guf, even after death, somewhat. Abal Ha'ish Moshe. But says the Neshachachla Moshe. Moshe. He's not he's not connected to Gashmias at all. He didn't eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights. He was, he was, he was human. We believe that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't human. That's a different religion. But we believe that he was human. Up until the end, but he was a, he was a special human. Right? But a special connection. He, he, had, he had very little connection to his physical body. God spoke to him. So when it came to Moshe, who taketh Misha Nifsakai's Kashras bein Anefesh Lagashmo, taketh Allah bein Arale Kodesh. Right when his Neshama left, he has no connection to the Guf. All of us, we have nishama, our Neshamas are connected to our Guf. So for a certain amount of time afterwards, it stays connected. Moshe Rabbeinu was so purified. His Neshama was so far removed from any Guf focus that right after 120 years, his Neshama is out of here. And therefore, Velo Yada Ishes Kuraso, Moshe himself didn't even know his Makam Kura. Because Moshe, the Neshama of Moshe, Velo Yada Hainu Kemo Lo Hikir, Shlo Yeshayach Al Makam Kuraso Klau. He didn't know, even Moshe didn't know. Okay. Moving right along. One or two more points on Zosav Racha, and then one thought in Yana Yoma. Last Pasik in the Torah. Last Pasik in the Torah. The last few, let's read the last few psukim. The last few psukim in the Torah is basically Moshe's Matseva. What it would have said on Moshe's Matseva if we would know where he was buried. What would it say on Moshe's Matseva? Velokam Navi od Yisrael kam Moshe. There was no Navi like him. Asher Yido Hashem upon him, upon him, the new God. Lekol ha'osos v'hamopsim, Asher Shlach Hashem, all the miracles. Lasos v'eretz v'srayim. Ulechola yad ha'chazakal, lechola moragadol. Asher Asa Moshe, and all the amazing things that Moshe did, Le'ene Kal Yisrael, in front of the eyes of Am Yisrael. And as we know, we've spoken about in the past, the last Rashi, what's the last, most amazing act that Moshe did was Le'ene Kal Yisrael? Sheshiber Asa Luchos He broke the Luchos in front of them. We discussed in the past what the significance of that is. Now we're just going to focus on the act itself. Moshe broke the Luchos, Le'ene Hem, in front of them. That's what Rashi says. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, source number nine. Mavu'ar. What do you see from this Rashi? Shehayu kan shnei chidushim b'maseh Moshe lishbaras haluchos 
There were two elements in this act that Moshe did when he broke the luchos. Number one, etem shviras haluchos. Number one, that he broke them. And number two, hashvira bifarhesya, le'eni kol Yisrael. He broke them in public. He could have, Hashem told him, shiches amcha, he could have said, really? Boom, break them and then go down. And he didn't do that. He dafka waited to be in front of them. And then he broke them. Or even after he saw, we've discussed in the past, he went down and saw them dancing around the Egel. And that's what got him really mad. Either way, then he could have gone behind a rock and broke them. No. He broke them in front of everyone. And the question is, question number one is, isn't that a tremendous Chil Hashem? This is what Klai has been working for and waiting towards. Wasn't Moshe at all worried about the Chil Hashem element? Who knows if there would be a second Luchos? Who knows? Line 15. Madua Hutzrach Lasu Zedav Galeneim. Halo Ashvira Pirsamas Amaisa Bechal Olam. Also, the breaking would, would publicize now, what would be in the newspapers next day. How would it be formulated by the press? Would it be Luchos broken? Probably, we know the press is anti, anti Israel, anti Jewish. It would be Jews worship calf. In little letters. Right? Uh, Luchos broken. Right? What's the, what's the headline that's going to catch? Right? The whole world's against us. Right? The Jews. So, so imagine the Chil Hashem. People are going to be talking. The Jews, the Egel. And yet we praise Moshe. The last words in the Torah. Question one is why Moshe did it in front of them. Question two. We know you're always supposed to, always supposed to end off on a good note. Parashiyas are always supposed to end off on a good note. We never end an Aliyah. Right? The Tochacha, we have a one good Pasuk at the end. Is this a good note? We end the Torah with? Moshe broke the Luchos. Sounds like a low, not a high. Question two. Question three. Not only did Moshe break the Luchos, but as Rav Yaakov points out, there's a difference between Shavar and Shiber. Shavar is Kal, Shiber is Piel. Shiber is a much stronger form. Shavar is to break. Shiber is to smash, to smithereens. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't just break the luchos in half. Boom! Right? He smashed them. What does smash mean? Smash means he, he, he pulverized them. Right? We know he even took the ashes and fed them, fed them to the sinners, which we'll get back to in a second. How was Moshe, this is question three, Allowed to be mochik shem shamayim. A lot of shemos of Hashem on the luchos. Moshe, without blinking an eye, boom, smashed the luchos. How is he allowed to do that? Mechikas Hashem did it to daraisa. Three questions. Again, one, why dafka in public? What about the chil Hashem element that he was worried about? Number two, the Torah ends off on such a sour note. And number three. He smashed them. How was he allowed to smash them? Isn't it an iser of Mechikas Hashem? Says of Yaakov, what Moshe Rabbeinu did in this one act was both allowed and was teaching Klal Yisrael at the same moment what a terrible act they did and at the same moment teaching them, God loves you. And you could come back and don't worry, even though you did such a terrible act, Kodesh Barakal wants you back. How did he do all that? Again, at the same moment, a terrible sin, 
God loves you. At the same moment, how Moshe Rabbeinu needed to give this message over. That's what he needed to tell them. He needed to tell them what you did was terrible. But he also didn't want to totally push them off. He wanted to, right, small dochek, but you made How do you do that? Says Rabbi Yaakov, line 42. He was showing them the amazing depth of the sin. But at the same time, keep to promise them that they don't give up hope. How did he do this? Says Rabbi Yaakov, referring to something he said back in Kisisa, which we discussed two years ago. If you think about the Egel, obviously it was a terrible chait, but look at it, put ourselves in their shoes. Two million people, and you've been relying on Moshe Rabbeinu for food and water for the past couple of weeks. Okay, all of a sudden, rumor has it that Moshe is not coming back. Okay, there was a miscalculation, but rumor has it. You're in the middle of the desert. You have no snacks for the kids. You have no lunch for tomorrow. You're, you're, they're nervous. They start going crazy. They lose their minds. They're in the middle. They look around. It's boiling hot. Maybe the month's not going to fall tomorrow. Maybe there's not going to be water. And even though Aaron is trying to calm them down, they don't trust them. So says Rabbi Yaakov, you've got to put ourselves in their shoes. It's somewhat understandable. But yet, they still did a tremendous Avera. So Moshe had to show them and teach them the Godel Achet. So you know what he did? He broke the Luchos Be'inehem. Why? I'll say it outside. And then we'll see the words inside. Why was Moshe allowed? And where did Moshe know from that he was allowed to be mochik to shame? There's a precedent. There's a precedent in Isha Sota. To bring shalom between a husband and a wife, we know what's the halacha? You're allowed to erase God's name, put it into a, a pail of water. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, erase my name to bring shalom. Erase my name. I allow it. I, it's terrible? Yes, I know it's terrible. But you know what? I want shalom. Moshe Rabbeinu, by breaking the luchos in front of Am Yisrael, what is he showing them? He's showing them that they have strayed. He's showing them that this is very serious. It's so serious that there's an Isra Daraisa taking place because of them. But at the same moment, B'nai Yisrael know what Mechikas Hashem is always done for. It's done to bring shalom and to bring a couple back together. That's the goal. So at the same moment, Moshe is... The depth of his plan was to teach them, yes, you have strayed. Yes, what you did was Avodah Zarah. But at the same time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you and wants you back. And is a lap. Moshe didn't ask, but he figured this out. And as we know, it's one of the three things the Gemara says. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Shkayach. Yeshakochach I wanted you to do this. Spayneam in front of them. That's what Rabbi Yaakov says. They understood. And they were makabal the din. They were makabal because they realized. But at the same time, they realized that they could come back. And they realized that, just like Anisha Sota comes back, so too, so to us. That might even be why, he doesn't quote it, but why Rashi says in Kisisa, that's why Moshe gave them to drink afterwards. Just like Anisha Sot, they gave him the drink from the ashes of the of the Luchos along with the with the wood. Okay, two more ideas. 
one small uh, related to Zos Abracha, and that's just a thought from the Ksav Sofer in Source 11, and then we'll just get to the final thought of the night. Ksav Sofer in Source 11 asks the question that we started off with tonight as well, the connection, is there a deeper connection between the end of the Torah and the beginning of the Torah? So we had one already from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. says the Ksav Sofer, Le'eni kol Yisrael, nearly. Let me connect the two. That which I wrote in other places. What was so great about Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe brought the Jewish people to Emuna. Through everything that he did in his life, he brought B'nai Yisrael closer to Hashem. And he revealed to them, and he revealed to them that there is a Bore Olam in the world. Through all the Makos, and through all the Nisim in the desert, through his entire life, Moshe Rabbeinu brought B'nai Yisrael to realize that there's a Mashkiach and there's a Bore. Yisrael, the last three Pesukim are Moshe Rabbeinu's life. You know what Moshe Rabbeinu did? Barashas Barelokim. He brought a recognition of Barashas more than any other leader in our history. More than any other Tanakh figure. Moshe Rabbeinu brought B'nai Yisrael to that recognition. At the bottom, But that's the Ksav Sof. Okay. One final thought, I've mentioned this in a drusha in the past, but it's a classic, classic Rav Zevin. Take home Rav Zevin. Both for Yom Kippur, Haba'alein Latova, and for Sukkis, the Chag that follows. We know in our Parsha, it's also connected to the Parsha. You can say it any time over the next two weeks. Mimi no, Eishdas Lama. We know Torah is compared to fire. Eishdas, our Pasuk says. And we also know Torah is compared to water. Elsewhere, right? Water flows down, Torah flows down. Says Rav Zevin, Fire and water, Yom Kippur and Sukkis. I'll do the end of it first. Yom Kippur's avodos are centered around fire. The most special avoda on Yom Kippur is the avoda of the Torahs, bringing fire into the Kodesh Kadashim. The Mizbeach, items are burned, says the Rav Zevin on line 33. Yom Kippur is all about Eish. Followed immediately by Sukkis, which is known uniquely for its Nisach HaMayim. The only time throughout the year that we pour water on them is Bech and not just fire. Avodas Achagi Bemayim Nisachad Mayim Vesibchas Beis Hashoeva Beshivas Yimeachag Vetfilas Geshem Beshmini Shalchag. Fire defines Yom Kippur. Water defines Sukkot. What's the depth of the idea? Now go back to the beginning. Line one. Yom Kippur is about a human being flying heavenward. Yom Kippur is about a human being 
becoming an angel. We scream out Barach Shem Kavod, where we, where we wear white to be like Malachim. We're like fire. We go up. The Avoda is fire, and that's what we're doing on Yom Kippur. We're going up that Kaddish Baruch Hu. We leave this world, the physical activities we leave, and we go up. We leave it. We're, not, we're, we're in shul all day. There's nothing, we're not thinking about anything. Except I just heard last night on the radio, somebody was giving it to our Torah, a rabbi, I don't know who it was, he was saying the whole year, the whole year, we have to eat L'Shem Shemayim, and we have to dive, we have to sleep L'Shem Shemayim, and we have to go to work L'Shem Shemayim, everything is L'Shem Shemayim. We have means that are all with the goal L'Shem Shemayim. On Yom Kippur, we forget the means. We just go to the goal. We're just L'Shem. We're just L'Shemayim. We don't have to eat L'Shem Shemayim. We don't have to drink. We don't have to sleep L'Shem Shemayim. We don't have to have fun L'Shem Shemayim. Forget everything else. We just get to the goal. That's it. We don't do anything else. On Yom Kippur, we're like fire. We go up. Sukkot is just the opposite. Sukkot, we take all of our mundane, lowly, physical activities and sanctify them. We eat and drink and sleep in the sukkah. We bring Hakadosh Baruch We bring the kedusha down like water. Two extremes. Yom Kippur, we're all day in shul, and on Sukkot we even leave our house to go out into the hut. Lo yom asur ba'achilu v'shtiyakim akipurim ela adaraba. Zvan simchaseinu, ein simchel ba'basar, ein simchel ba'yayin. Moed Adam has called kedushas haTorah. We bring all the kedusha down. The Gemara says in Sukkot, kechal kishem shechal shem shemayim ala chagiga, kachal shem shemayim ala Sukkot. Right? Sukkot has the um, kedusha elements. So says Rav Zevin. We have in front of us over the next couple of days and weeks. We have Mayim and we have Aish. We have Yom Kippur. We have Aish and we have Mayim. We have Yom Kippur and we have Sukkot. We have going up and we have bringing ourselves up to the kedusha, bringing the kedusha down into our lives. So it's our job to try to make that connection, both in the way of Aish and in the way of Mayim. Torah is compared to both Aish Das and Haikal Tzamei Mayim. And Beth Hashem, we should be zokeh to all the brachas that are stated in this parsha, and come to the true hakara, as the Ksav Sofer said of Bereshis Baro Kim Es Hashemayim Ve'Es So Beth Hashem, uh, two weeks from yesterday will be uh, the next year. Parshas Bereshis Tuesday night, uh, Hoshana Rabbah night in the Sukkah right here, um, eight forty-five.